0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission. Connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, this morning we're going to continue on this topic just for one more week on how to respond to suffering. I mean, Jesus could not have said it any better. You can see it over there as well. He couldn't say it any better when he said, in this life you will have hard times. Life is not a bed of roses. Life is hard at times. Life hurts at times. Life stinks at times. Life sucks the energy out of you at times. And we're just trying to figure out how do you respond when your life is like that? How do I actually find hope when life is hard? Because if your hope is based on getting through the next struggle, you will always find yourself to be hopeless because it seems like in life we're either in a crisis or just coming out of a crisis or we're entering into a crisis. So if you think hope can be found getting through the struggle, oh, you're going to find yourself feeling hopeless all the time. See, that is life, hard times. So we cannot base hope on solving our problems. That's why we said we've got to set our hope on the grace that will be revealed to us at his coming setting our hope on heaven for what awaits for us and suffering does not mean that god has lost his grip on things that are happening all around us no god is in control he does hold all things together the apostle paul actually said in romans 8 i consider that our present sufferings are not worthy are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us i mean there's a man who spent a lot of years in prison and he said i you can't compare the two for what awaits for us he goes on to say later in that same chapter if god is for us then who can be against us Uh, These are verses I feel like I need to engrave in my heart, engrave in my mind. They're probably verses I should be hanging in my home and in my office. I need to be reminded of that. That really our hope is bound uh, uh, up in the fact that he is in control even when we find ourselves suffering. Paul also says in that same chapter, and we know that in all things, let's see that, all things, not most things, not 98% of things, not just the good things, He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's just another reminder that God is always at work, and sometimes it's just that he's working behind the scenes of our life. We don't see it, but he is at work. Which is a reminder to us, there is no meaningless pain. There is no worthless suffering. There is no useless trial in our life. He is in control, taking things to his final destination. And what we need to do is do more than just announce these truths that God loves us and God cares for us. we got to do more than just articulate these truths. we got to take these truths of God being caring and gracious and kind and fully engaged in our truth. We need to embrace those in our life, not just have our head filled with those truths. I mean, Paul... Um, from prison, writes a book, Philippians. The whole book is about joy, joy, joy. You almost think Paul had a mental breakdown. How do you write about those kind of things? Look at your life, Paul. You're in prison. The thing is, he, he, he grabbed he, a hold of, he embraced these truths that God does care for me. And God is in control of what has even happened in my life. These truths have to impact you. And I know sometimes we interpret what's going on in our lives. We we think this determines what is really true, what is happening. And sometimes we allow our emotions to overpower what is actually true. And sometimes these emotions will say, well, God has abandoned you. God is the absentee father. He's the one who has forgotten you. No, 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 no. 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 The truth is, god does love you god does care for you and god is fully engaged even in the details of your life see what happens paul says in romans 8 don't look at what you have seen but look at what you haven't seen see we tend to just look at what's happening all around us that's where our focus is and of course it's natural and we forget to look at what we haven't seen what is coming and that's why our hope has to be towards the future of what awaits for us so with that would you take your bibles and turn to first peter or if you have an electronic device turn to first peter we're going to be reading verses 13 through 16. by the way verse will be also on the screen, but if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible before you leave here this morning as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, let's read this, verses 13 through 16. We looked at this verse last week, you remember. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought To you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. When I read through that passage, two words really stood out to me. Two words that I think really will help us in our responding to suffering. These are the words hope and holy hope and holy i really believe that when the apostles were writing the scriptures at the time I, I, I really believe they thought Jesus would return in their lifetime. I think they lived that way, and that's why when Paul, uh, Peter says that in that passage, you know, um, it's, keep your hope on that grace that He will come back. In fact, doesn't it say in, uh, in Acts? It says, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? Because I think when they gather and Jesus had ascended into heaven, they're all gazing, looking. I think they're waiting for Him to come back. They're looking." Because they really believed that he would come back in their lifetime. It goes on to say, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go to heaven. And so I think there was that expectation he's going to come back in our lifetime. The fact is he can come back at any time. And of course in verse 14, it says, As obedient children. I think Peter's assuming obedience is actually part of our lifestyle. It actually marks us as a Christian. If obedience to to God's word and who he is is not something that characterizes our life, it may be time time for us to do maybe a little bit of examination. He goes on to say, do not conform to the evil desires that you had. Do not be conformed to the evil desires you have. When we are suffering... (laughs) Beware of some of those old temptations. Don't go back to those old patterns of sin because when you are suffering, you will be tempted to sin. And Peter said, don't don't go back to those ways. Those were your former ways. And let me tell you, we have an enemy who does know our weaknesses and guarantee he will zero in on those. So he goes on to say, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That doesn't mean when you were dumb. That doesn't mean, oh, you were stupid. No, that's what he's saying. He said, don't live in ignorance before, like, see, before you came to Christ, you didn't know necessarily right and wrong. Why did I do right? What what is wrong? But once you came to know Christ, things changed. So before you came to Christ... So, you know, when I think of that, I think there's a temptation for Christians, by the way, that we try to put an expectation on someone who doesn't know Christ to live as though they do know Christ. When it's very obvious, they can't. They don't know Christ. I love when our culture embraces biblical values, but we can't expect that as followers of Jesus. I'm always telling believers to, to be cautious at your workplace. It, it's not your job to be uh, the, the swearing police or the drinking police or the morality police. I mean, I understand sometimes things can get rough and you maybe will say something every now and then, but that's not our job to police because the issue is not behavior. It's all about the, a change of the heart. They're not a follower of Jesus. And so here's one of the struggles. We sometimes take him pride in what they see. First Corinthians chapter 5, sometimes that's what the church did. They took him pride in what people saw, not what was going on inside. And sometimes we forget what the real issue is. It's not outward appearance. It's what's going on inside the heart. That's why I say, set your hope on heaven... that second key word which is holy strive for holiness while you're here holiness really simply just means set apart Um, distinct different it's not ordinary holiness is like that big word that we use around church called sanctification and there are two kinds of sanctification and it's interesting i was having a conversation with a good friend of our family, in fact, I know she's watching this morning, Carol, and she says, I, you know, sometimes we use those big church words and nobody understands what they mean. I said, yeah, well, I'm going to use two big church words, but I'm going to break it down so you understand what I'm talking about. When it talks about holiness, which in other words is sanctification, that idea of being set apart, there's two kinds. There's this positional sanctification, which means that at salvation, when I come to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I am set apart and to God. That's positional. But then there's this also progressive sanctification. That in your actions, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. So areas in your life last year should not look like areas in your life this year. This year should look a little bit different than last year. Because we're becoming more set apart There should be a progress uh, in your life. There should be an area that you can look back and go, you know, I was really struggling here, but this year, I see it a a little bit different. It may not be huge, giant steps. Maybe you're just taking little baby steps, but you're seeing a difference in your life. You're not what you quite were last year. Uh, Maybe for you, you had struggled with anger. Anger was a real issue. But as time is going on, you see these little baby steps. And all of a sudden, you find yourself maybe to be a little more patient. See, that's, that's progressive. God's working. Maybe for you, you know, you struggle with being selfish. And, and as God is working through you and in you, all of a sudden, you can sense that you're thinking about others first that's a huge change that's progressive um sanctification or maybe you you struggle with a, a gossip you're full of biting criticism but now you look back and you see how god is changing you and now you become one who encourages people you know maybe for you it was it was about hatred. Like You just, you know, you, you hated people. because You've always been hurt by people. But as God is working in your life, all of a sudden you find yourself, wow, I'm not what I was last year. I'm not what I, I want to be, but I'm not what I was last year. I find that I actually am beginning to care for people. So holiness is not the absence of conflict or suffering, but holiness is obedience. Through the conflict and suffering. Job's friends didn't know that. Job, the man from the Old Testament, he lost everything, remember? Like, he lost everything. Not just his business his finances. Not just his home. Not just material things. But he lost his entire family. And his friends came along and figured something is up because they thought it was incompatible that God would love you and care for you and you have suffering in your life. That was absolutely incompatible. Those two can't go together. That's what his friends thought. But remember what Jesus said, right? In this life you are going to have some hard times. So I guess the question will be then, well what is well then what is holiness? let's first start with what holiness is not that may give us a clearer definition of what holiness is not holiness is not gained by isolation see there's sometimes this tendency we'll quote verses you know come out from among them right be separate and we think that means removing ourselves from the world we like to have our own little gated Christian cul-de-sac, isolate ourselves, maybe a little bit like how, you know, like the Amish community, they, they kind of, right, they're just a group unto themselves. No one lives among them. But I don't think holiness is gained by isolating yourself. Uh, Some people think holiness can be gained by information. Hey, I read my Bible, I know all these truths about the Bible. I've got verses memorized inside out. I know lots of people who know their Bible far better than I do, but boy, they're not very loving people. I'm shocked, actually, at times. Because holiness is not gained just by information. You can have all the information you want in the world, but if it doesn't change you, what good is it? And I think we get confused because we we feel like we know so much about the Bible, therefore I'm holy. No, no, no. Because holiness is not gained by information. And holiness is not gained by regulation. Holiness is gained by application. Holiness is when God's word actually is applied to your life. It's not just a book of information. It changes you. Holiness is gained by cooperation. The Spirit of God lives within you, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And holiness is gained when you cooperate with what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. And I think holiness is gained by imitation. You study Jesus' life, and you see how Jesus lived, and you go, I want to be more like that. That's how, I want. that's how I want to live. I think that's what holiness is. Holiness is a heart attitude. It has to start in the heart. It's the heart that will begin to lead us to obedience. So the question would be, is there any area of your life that's not living in obedience to Christ. Like, I know I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I get it. My future is different. But you know what? I'm still a sinner. That's the thing. I still get this old nature, this flesh in me that rises up. And I know that as a sinner, when someone sins against me, you know what I want to do? I want to sin against them. That is my natural response, and I think this is true. We tend to want to respond with sin when we've been sinned against. And so I thought, why? Why do we do this? I think it's because of two things. One, no longer have we set our hope on heaven. And number two, one or the other, I'm not striving for holiness while I'm here. It's got to be one of those two why I respond that way. And I get it. I get it because I do it. We justify our actions. We deserve better. We deserve different. We deserve more. Get it. Here's what I I think possibly is true. Christians, Donald, when I put Donald, Donald often acts the least like a Christian when he suffers. Maybe you might put your name there. But Christians often act the least like Christians when we suffer. And so Peter says, he's making it really clear what our response is, but it's not easy. It's just not easy. And so I have to pray. I don't know how many times I've prayed this, 10,000 times. Lord, help me not not to live by my emotions and my feelings. Help me to cling on to the truth that you care for me, you love me, and you are in the details of my life. Even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, I pray, God, help me to cling on to these truths. So I encourage you today to find your hope in heaven and strive for holiness while you're here. Now maybe for you, your pursuit of holiness is a car wreck. Right? That's what we need to remember. It's, it's not about it. It's, it's God working in us. You know, there's longing to grow like Jesus. It's not about trying harder. Because that's sometimes we do. I'm going to try harder. But it's really asking for God's grace to work in you. According to his purpose, it's not about mastering your issues. It's really about having a new master That changes things Listen we live in a fallen world Are we gonna suffer as Christians of course we are And so I want to tell you hang tightly to his grace and keep your hope in heaven and strive for holiness Because I believe trials, suffering, crises, they test and they refine your faith. So you are more like Jesus than before. For listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9 15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.